Hello. Welcome back to All the Right Stuff. The ultimate episode. Yeah, or penultimate, depending on if we decide to do a final one. Or oh, not. yeah. Well, then I guess I'm wrong for the last episode of calling it the penultimate yeah. episode. Our new intro thing is we just talk about logistics of uh, planning future episodes. Well, I did have something on penultimate versus ultimate. Have you ever noticed that when someone says penultimate, they, they kind of sound smart, but when they say ultimate, they kind of sound dumb? Yeah, what's because ultimate is a, a Frisbee game. I mean, it's the Frisbee game. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to All the Right Stuff. This is a, a podcast about writing. Started, and so much more, according to our catchphrase. Yeah, started out of the writing department, and uh, today recorded in the building with the writing department. The very same. Yeah, uh, fine arts, for those who don't know. Uh, room 140. Uh, if this were live, you could come by and say hi, but since it's not, stay away. Yeah, I mean, come by and, like, we have people doing, like, a kind of a pilgrimage type thing where you go to, like... CFUV and our basement and your bedroom and then now here. We never did it in the basement. Oh, I did. Oh. <laughs> we got uh, David Leach here today. Hey, how's it going? The head, the head of the writing department. At last, finally, I, I got my invite. <laughs> yeah, checking my email for months. Some would say you've been on the show all along, but <laughs> I feel like it's been like leading up to this since episode two when we first did our David Leach impression. Yeah, you did. So a- this is the series finale. Yeah. I mean, we should just go around turning light switches on and off and just being like, end of days. <laughs> what we could do is start doing Lorna impressions after this episode, and then in 50 more we have her on. But Except for this is the, the But she'd, she'd hunt ultimate. you down and kill you before. Yeah, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she doesn't. Uh... We do, actually. We have uh, one Lorna um, uh, impression, I think, from Samir. He did his Lorna impression before he did his David Leach impression. Really? Yeah, I think it was... Uh, it's and kind he, of he's nasty. in witness protection now, I hope. <laughs> Luckily, she doesn't have Wi-Fi at the, at the, uh, at farm. the farm. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on the show. It's my pleasure, I I've hope. Been, we've been waiting for this for years. I'll, I'll give you a bit of an intro here, too. I've got, I've got so much planned. Oh, boy, this is going to take hours. If we'd, um, if we'd used... Um, I'll, well, just to spoil it for the listening audience later, we've got a compilation of all of our David Leach impressions. Uh, it was it was really long, so I had to cut it down. But uh, there is an extended version of Hugo Wong's where he just reads your entire bio. <laughs> do I get to select the winner? You do. Oh, yeah. And then you get to do your own. Oh, that's challenging. <laughs> to be fair, I think you're doing your own this entire episode. Oh, he's been doing a Dave Leach impression since he was born. He's method acting. Yeah. Or since he was like, whenever you learned to talk, I guess. All right. So you're the author of Chasing Utopia and Fatal Tide and the chair of the writing department. Absolutely. I don't know what more I need to say even. We're going to get more into like your whole backstory as time goes on. but This is your life. I mean, that's impressive enough for me. I mean, I can add to that. There, there are three things that I've learned from listening to all of these impressions over the years, which are, A, you cycle. <laughs> Two, <laughs> you, uh, you lived on a kibbutz. True. And three, you talked at writing 100 one time. <laughs> Twice. Maybe three times. I even taught. I, I taught writing 100 and I was a student in writing one. Wow! We actually, I learned that when I went back through your old, uh, you rate my profs, which we're going to get into later on the show as well. <laughs> oh, I love my writing. Still no chilies. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked, honestly. I mean, <laughs> but you didn't add one. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll go back. I see the fact that he didn't add one says more about how he feels about himself. <laughs> I think Lorna got one too, which is uh, everybody got one. Yeah. 
I think Lee Henderson's is the most peppery, though. Yeah. I mean, we can't argue with that. So as the chair of the department, what do you do? I know, like, in your own words, it's a kind of a very, uh, you do a lot of different, you wear a lot of hats. I wear a lot of hats. That's a good question. I go to a lot of meetings, which kind of sucks. Um, I deal with issues with students, which is part of the job. Uh, we help. I help kind of set the the program, the courses for the future year, and uh, yeah, I work with the the faculty members to uh, make decisions. I think that's the uh, big thing. But a lot, a lot, a lot of meetings. A lot of meetings. And how does that work? So you got you got elected, right? Or uh... yeah, I think uh, it's yeah, it's it's kind of like. Uh, Eventually it comes up, and if somebody wants to do it, they put their uh, hat in the ring, and uh, you get voted on, and yeah, you have to kind of present your vision of the department and hope people like you. Um, I'd like to put Bradley Seabrook's hat in the ring. He's been gunning for this job for years. (laughs) Does he want it now? He'll take it. He mostly wants to to sit in the chair, and uh, he wants to like lord over the department more than anything. He's really mostly interested in the chair portion of it. He's he's big into sitting these days. He's been standing for like a week. He's really tired. (laughs) So I I did once sit on a committee that was literally called the committee in search of a chair. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like an absurdist play, and ended up like that was in an English department, though. Yeah, I would say instead of being the committee chair, you should be the committee legs to get going. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> I'm good at them. I don't. I, I don't know what that means. But well, you know, like when you say this story's got legs. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not going to explain every joke to you. Could you pl- explain this one though? Okay. So when you are speaking about something that uh, is good and could go somewhere, you say it's got, got legs. legs, right? So you'd be like, and, this committee's got legs, and they're David Leach. Yeah, I'd say this committee has legs for days. <laughs> <laughs> so legs go all the way up to here. And for the listeners, I'm gesturing somewhere high up. It's true. It could have been sexist, but instead it's just confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what is your vision of the department? I know you have a lot of you, a lot like with the interactive narrative and VR and all that going forward. Uh, the big change that I've seen when I was a student, we came out here. I was actually interested in studying fiction. Uh, and they only had fiction, poetry, and stage drama with a little bit of professional writing. Uh, and then when I got hired, we had been moving into creative nonfiction. And with Maureen, we've, we've added screenwriting as well. So we've really grown across different genres. And with that, I think the, there's been kind of rising and waning kind of interest in the different genres with students as well. But just like the high, high, high quality of our faculty members and also sessional instructors. So making sure they're happy is uh, number one priority because that makes sure uh, students are happy as well. And, and just kind of charting student success. I think uh, John Threlfall, our communications staffer, came up with our wonderful tagline, our students make our name. But I, I think we really do kind of believe that because as if, I, I think we're actually the leading undergraduate writing program in North America, if not the world. Uh, and, and we see it with the, the kind of amazing work that our students do even before they go on to MFAs. And uh, so keeping that quality, but also being responsive to just changes in uh, uh, literary culture as well. So that's, I'm, I'm particularly interested in digital culture, interactive media. I know Maureen's really interested in uh, digital filmmaking and production and, and getting students' hands dirty around that stuff. Uh, 
Uh, Kevin's doing kind of amazing work with multimedia and theater production. Uh, Lee's really kind of pushing things with the graphic novel as well. So kind of maintaining our core focus, but also uh, thinking about other areas that, that we can explore and be creative in. Yeah, speaking of uh, Kevin Kerr and our former guest, uh, Dominic, actually has his uh, directed study coming up tonight. It's uh, premiering in this very building. Oh, well, I would have gone to see that if you'd let me know. You are my calendar after all. That's true. Yeah, you didn't get the invite, I guess. Oh. I did. It's a, a select few. I feel like me and Dominic have a love-hate thing going on where he loves me and I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so when did screenwriting get added to the, to the uh, writing program here? Uh, it came in, I believe, when Maureen uh, got hired in the drama position, and uh, and um, I'm not. I think there was always a bit of screenwriting within uh, drama as well as as an option, uh, but it, we decided to kind of split it off into a, a fifth genre as well because it really is distinct from stage writing uh, as well. And Maureen had such an interesting background in doing screenwriting, but also through film production, this notion that you shouldn't just be kind of writing a screenplay and sending it off to Hollywood to not get produced, but that you've got the technology, uh, and the abilities to actually make your own films right away from scratch. So, and, and again, that just kind of tapped into a real appetite amongst students as well. It's, it's probably our highest demand genre right now. So we're kind of looking at other avenues to grow that, um, maybe, shouldn't give away all our secrets but even like uh, uh certificate pro- uh, program or diploma program last summer we actually had a whole bunch of students from uh, a chinese university come over and they worked with dan hogg and a couple of un- other instructors to do uh, workshops around editing and made a short film here in town so that would be kind of a great connection too oh very cool yeah, it's fun uh I mean, as much as Maureen is like a huge part of, of the screenwriting program here, I think Dan Hogg is kind of one of the unsung heroes here. He's he's taught me a lot of stuff about, uh, I mean, we probably couldn't have done this podcast without his know-how of teaching us you know, how to use the equipment and all that. And uh, I don't know, just every time I go in there to rent equipment, he's always got some sort of suggestion for how we can use it or something that might work better. And I just want to give Dan Hogg the props. Shout to Dan Hogg. He is not unsung. I sing his praises <laughs> every day. But it's true, yeah. Dan is the kind of the, the glue that makes the uh, technical side of things work. And we're hoping that he can kind of get in and even do some more teaching, uh, too. He's actually an MFA student this year. Nice. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. He's uh, in screenwriting? Uh, yeah, screenwriting, absolutely. So I, I taught him this year. Wow. I know he's taking, he was mentioning that he's taking a class over the summer. I forget which one, but also Rylan's taking that class. And Rylan won't stop talking about how weird it's going to be being in a class with Dan Hogg. <laughs> like not as a teacher or a TA, just like as a like fellow student. Yeah, that is bizarre. My dream is to one day teach Dan Hogg everything I know that he taught me. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awkward. I think, I think you we'll just call through. that a test. No. <laughs> Actually, I spent uh, like 10 minutes this morning trying to figure out. I thought an idea for a ratemystudents.com, but then I realized those are just grades. They, they do that already. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, not that useful. So you were actually a student here. What did you I was uh, a student here. Um, you I, did a BA? I did a BA. Dirty little secret. I dropped out of the writing department and graduated in English. Oh, that explains your your uh, your bio on the website is a bit shady around there. You can <laughs> exactly. tell there's skirting something. Exactly. No, I. Uh, it was after I uh, lived on the kibbutz in Israel. I came out because, again, the reputation of the writing uh, department. I think it was the only writing program I could find. You again. dropped out there too. You dropped out of uh, Carlton. Right? I dropped out wow. of Carlton. 
uh, lived on a kibbutz, dropped out of the kibbutz, uh, <laughs> came out to uh, Victoria. I actually was studying in sciences, dropped out of that, but I was still doing creative writing. Uh, I also did philosophy, Latin, jumped around a lot and ended up uh, finishing my degree in English. Nice. Well, if there's one thing you can uh, uh, do as he says, not as he does. <laughs> Writing students. Hey, to be fair, I did a very similar path where I just changed majors like a hundred times. Yeah, I dropped out once. Oh, you think you're a hero just because you dropped out once? <laughs> you dropped out too. You dropped out of accounting. I dropped out of high school. Did you? No. Uh, well, I didn't really technically drop out. I just didn't graduate and then I didn't go back until like five years later. Wow. Uh, you should uh, check his transcripts. Maybe he's not allowed in this program. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> that would I, take just about anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I upgraded at uh, Camosun College, oh. which is not as good as UVic, but is good. Camosun, your dreams are our future. They have like a vague writing program going on there, I think. Yeah, they my do, sister's They do. I, I, and I once taught at Camosun oh. as well. All my secrets are coming out. <laughs> so uh, how has the writing department changed now since, uh, since you started as a student? Um, well, uh, back when Lee Henderson was just a glimmer in uh, James's eye. (laughs) (laughs) Explain yourself. (laughs) He's not your son? Oh, yeah, he is. Okay. Well, certainly the the expansion into different uh, genres. I think uh, when I was leaving the department, it was just around the time that Lorna uh, Crozier got hired. And I think she really, really transformed uh, the department. I mean, it it had an incredible reputation at the the time. And I was really lucky to study with Jack Hodgins, who was just uh, an amazing, an amazing writer, but also a teacher as well, because he'd been a high school teacher. And he really is the model for me of being a great writing uh, instructor. Uh, But yeah, Lorna arrived and I think quickly kind of transformed the department in many, many kind of positive ways. I think made it a bit more inclusive. I would say maybe a bit more welcoming to women. Uh, And and then just uh, Lynn Van Leuven arrived as well and creative nonfiction uh, started to flourish. She kind of brought that into the fold as well. And she um, again lobbied right across Canada for creative nonfiction to be taken seriously as a genre. And then when I was hired, it was four of us at the same time. So Joan McLeod, Tim Lilburn, myself, and Maureen Bradley and Lorna Jackson had been hired the year before that. So suddenly there was massive turnover uh, in in the department, and none of us, I think, were really young at the time. But it, I, I think, it did just inject uh, a different energy into the place as well. Yeah, when did Lorna Crozier uh, retire? Actually, because I think wasn't that our first year? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a couple of years ago, three or four years ago. Okay. That's crazy, though. So you guys all came in the same year. We all, yeah, I can't imagine what it was like for the department to hire four people at one. I think it was likely how I got hired. They were just so tired by the end of it. It was like, <laughs> let's take the top CV here and just, I mean, they'd, they'd hired Joan, who was a Governor General's Award winner, Tim, who was a Governor General's Award winner, Maureen, who had this amazing resume. And then it's like, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's nearly April. Let's get this over with. He seems tall and clean cut. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Though I had taught in the department before. Yeah. So I had the inside track. Speaking of that, we could actually get, get into some of the rate my profs here. Oh, God. <laughs> I, only, I only picked the good ones because, uh, you know, here's one. Awesome. Because <laughs> you're a fearless journalist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get too mean here. I, I did hope if, if I get the bad ones, you could like track down that student and really like talk about how you feel about that. Yeah, yeah I, I can detect their pattern of grammatical errors. <laughs> Here's one. Awesome. Dr. Leach makes technology interesting and scintillating. <laughs> and, I, and they gave me an honorary yeah. doctorate. <laughs> yeah. 
Good. Great guy. Enjoyed the class. <laughs> You're really choosing like the, the <laughs> very, very, you know, effervescent one. Yeah. Good. Awesome. awesome. Was surprised at first that this class was taught by a writing prof. David was a great teacher, super knowledgeable and inspiring. Of course, the material was, was very for? interesting. Uh, Technology Society 200. Uh, I click remarks for participation. One midterm and a final term essay. Good class. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed. I cried. He was better than cats. <laughs> I do find one from uh, 2005 for writing 100. This is a bad, not a great one. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I remember this one. It burns in my conscience. <laughs> oh, boy. New to the writing program. Thinks he's a hot shot. Does some decent editing. <laughs> Actually, that's fair comment. <laughs> I feel like you're not someone I would describe as thinking he's a hot shot. <laughs> I do enjoy uh, the fact that the writing program is like so kind of tight knit with like the amount of profs that it has that, you know, after second year, I never really had to go and look at rate my prof anymore because I just knew everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So you also teach uh, CNF and anything you teach technology society. I taught technology in society. I was the director there, uh, there for four years. Uh, and what do I teach now? Uh, creative nonfiction. I'm trying to get back into creative nonfiction. Uh, and I teach the workshop. I taught some forms and technique. I taught, did you, they force you to do FA 101? Um, yeah, creative being. Yeah, exactly. I, I, ta- would, I taught that one. Yeah, year. I was surprised about that you taught that. That's a, uh, I, I actually, mean, when I taught, no, it, I taught it the year before they forced students to take it. So <laughs> I actually didn't have to take it. Yeah, you put that off for years and eventually got it covered somehow. Yeah, well, no, it was because I took a uh, philosophy of art class when I was at Camosun, so I was able to uh, stand in for that. I I feel like I'm the only person that actually liked that class. Everyone seems to be very anti-creative being because it's so, like, uh, it's very, what's the word, like, vague. I don't know. Here's here's my take on it. Having never stepped foot in the classroom (laughs) for it, but having registered for it three times and gotten the syllabus, read it, and just been like, this does not seem like something that is going to work for me. I thought it was fun. I don't know. Just something about every time I read that syllabus, I just, I feel my eye roll muscles just like (laughs) straining. I I feel like I'm too cynical for that class. I had a fun time teaching it, but it was a bit of a gong show. Yeah. I, I took it with Butterfield a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Was, Chris Butterfield fun, would yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah. He's an eccentric genius. Yeah. <laughs> I, I once talk. profiled him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he's like a, very, a serial yeah. killer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, and I, uh, I did the um, writing interactive media for the first time uh, this year. And I also teach a grad, actually a couple of grad classes. I've taught a grad class in the literature of journeys. Uh, which is a lot of fun, and I teach the grad pedagogy class, so teaching the grad students how to be teachers. Very cool. So let's talk about your path after graduating uh, from UVic, because we're all both graduating Ooh. from UVic right now, and we're terrified. You should be. I'm what, shaking what do we do, boots. David? <laughs> what next? Do you want to know my path or your path? Uh... <laughs> I'm just going to copy exactly what you did. Okay, Kibbutz. well, uh, no, that, that was uh, that, was, that was before. Yeah, that was pre. So uh, You're I ended, schedule exactly. I actually wish I'd done an MFA. I ended up doing an MA at Queens. Uh, it was like the coldest winter in Ontario in seventy years, so it was absolutely miserable. Uh, it turned me off grad school, though I, I had some. Inter- I mean, read a lot of books, met some interesting people, uh, and again, once again, I ran away and uh, lived in Prague for a year and taught ESL and started out as a freelance writer there. 
Uh, and by that point, even though I was really interested in writing fiction, I had discovered that I was a bit of a byline junkie. So I'd written for the Martlet, and then I wrote for the Charlatan at Queen's, and I ordered no, the Charlatan at um, Carlton, and I wrote for the Queen's Journal. So I got an interest in, in journalism, even though I have no journalistic background. So I started doing uh, freelance writing in the Czech Republic. I just learned enough to say, Jaisem Novanaj Amaritsky, I'm an American journalist, which opened up a lot more doors and saying you're a Canadian journalist. Wait, did you write in the language there? No. Okay. Uh, Oh, interesting story. Uh, How I got my first break as a paid writer was, I think I saw an ad in this, I think it was Joe's Bar, uh, which was owned by a Canadian in downtown Prague on like a sign above the urinal or something saying writers wanted for reality guide Prague. I thought, oh, that sounds like pretty cool. I bet you that's like some hipster Monday magazine, like alternative uh, weekly. And everybody had gone to Prague because they'd read the, anybody remember Details Magazine? Details Magazine had done like uh, the uh, Young Americans in Prague issue. So there was this great influx of pretentious young literary types <laughs> pouring into the city to the great chagrin of every Czech there. Uh, I thought, well, this is my a big break. I'm going to write for Reality Guide Prague. So I, I contacted them and went in with all of these great ideas for the stories that I was going to write for this alternative news weekly. Uh, and they were like, young American guys were kind of nodding. I said, oh, yeah, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. And just like, well, do you want to see the reality guide? And he brought it out and put it on. And at that point, I realized reality in Czech means real estate. And it was a realty guy, Prague, with all of these real estate listings. And they just wanted some, like, copy in between to break up the real estate ads. I was like, oh, but I, I went with it and ended up doing uh, a couple of articles about architectural history of Prague and urban planning and things like that. That actually got translated into Czech and German. So I've been translated into Czech and German. Nice. Solid so it wasn't all five bedroom, two bath. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Here's my pitch. No cats. Hardwood floors. Hey, no cats, but dogs allowed. I've never, that's never been. I know. I'm shaking things up. <laughs> All right, so what's your... <laughs> Sorry, long pause. He's checking his Tinder. <laughs> uh, so what's your... What project, writing project are you working on now? You've just finished... Uh, well, recently finished Chasing Utopia. You've been touring that around a little bit. <laughs> you went to Emphasize on the little and the bit. He's <laughs> been chasing it around a little bit. Uh, that's a good question. It's always an awkward one to ask uh, writers. So yeah, still, still kind of prom- promoting that. Uh, sort of uh, the audiobook comes out pretty soon. So Ooh. I've listened to the audiobook version, which is kind of neat. I've never done that before. Did you, uh, did you read, you read it? it? Um, no. God, no. That would be <laughs> horrific. I would, nobody would want to hear me um and haw my uh, way through the book. No, no they actually uh, hired, I, I think they had some Canada Council money. There's no way my publisher would have done it out of their own pocket. I've made them, or actually I haven't made them any. I'm sure I've lost the money. Uh, but yeah, they act. They sent me MP3s of the auditions, so I got to listen to wow. the auditions, and uh, it was a uh, Canadian actor who I think has played in that movie Goon. Uh, yeah, not the main person, but I noticed that on his IMDb kind of credits, and he was oh, really, really good. And it was uh, he'd be calling me up for pronunciations of words that I barely knew how to pronunciate. <laughs> Are they looking pronounce. for like a, a David Leach type, or is it like just no, for someone? No, who, I don't no? think they were looking for a David <laughs> Leach type. They were looking for somebody who could make it interesting. For when you can't get David Leach, he's in for the David Leach type. Yeah. Well, we well, got, well you we could bring him on to do a David Leach impression. 
Yeah, we should. That would he would be the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I could I could send you an excerpt. Of that'd it, be but, great. Yeah. We're so, but if anybody earlier. wants to hear twelve hours <laughs> of my book, it's, it's I think out there pretty soon. Is it actually twelve hours long? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's ten to twelve. I listened. I had to listen to it all to copy edit it. Essentially, yeah. I feel like that's about standard for an audiobook. I guess I yeah. listen to audiobooks. Yeah, I read books. Yeah, actually, I don't really read books that often either. I, My so. son's obsessed with audiobooks. He'll he'll just like listen to them for hours and hours on end. So maybe he'll listen to my book. Yeah, that'll put him that'll put him to sleep. <laughs> for, maybe for punishment when he misbehaves, he'll will take away his Rick Riordan books or whatever and make him listen to Chasing Utopia. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there's that. I'm still working with uh, Ashley Black here on uh, Kibbutz, uh, the Settlers of Palestine, the interactive media component of my book. So it's a, a video game simulation that goes along with it. Is that available to play on your website right now? Or it is, is it... available on kibbutzgame.com. Nice. So see if you can beat it. I can't believe you got that URL. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to sell it to anybody who wants it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we'll, we're wrapping those uh, uh, up a bit, uh, and yeah, just thinking about other projects. The problem with nonfiction is, uh, unlike other genres, you just can't sit down and make it up. Despite right. what people say about creative nonfiction, you've actually got to do a bit of uh, research. And since uh, I pretty much mind the only interesting part of my life for chasing utopia, I'm going to actually have to go out and, and uh, do some work. But I do have a couple of ideas. One, I'm interested, uh, as you know, in, in digital culture, but I'm particularly interested as a parent and like all of the kind of panic uh, around uh, the effect of video games or social media on young people. So I wouldn't mind doing a book around that that actually looks at the reality of it rather than like the baby boomer hysteria around it. Uh, and I'm also really interested in, oddly enough, in baseball. Uh, but kind of the, the, the culture uh, around baseball. So I'm interested in potentially uh, if I get a year-long leave just to do a world tour of all the countries outside of the Amer- uh, America that are really into baseball and kind of looking at the influence. Uh, that'd there. be very cool. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Cuba? Cuba, the Dominican, Japan, Japan Korea, Mexico, Venezuela, wow, Puerto Rico, Canada, Canada. Yeah. Sounds like you're halfway there. Yeah, and so you're like a gamer now, right? You're getting into games, being. Ah, uh, well, that's a good question. I would not characterize myself as a gamer. I mean, we, we you're a gamer a... gator, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a I got attacked. I got a, I got attacked by gamer gators once. Did you? Oh nice. yeah, yeah. I tweeted something, and my my kind of notifications just blew <laughs> up, blew up with crazy ass gamer gators that's a feather in your cap that's nice. exactly you tweeted a photo of a woman playing a game <laughs> exactly that's essentially all you have to do uh i grew up playing uh games um back in the day uh mostly arcade games we had the original pong little little handheld console games uh that i look forward to every christmas but also a lot of board games as well and board games as a form of creative expression really interested me i probably made close to 100 board games when I was a kid, at least. I think wow. uh, it was the Summer Olympics in Montreal, and I tried to make a board game for every event in the Summer Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit obsessive as a kid. <laughs> um, I think I came pretty close. I think I managed to do it with the Calgary Winter Olympics. Um, and I had dozens and dozens of, of board games as well. So I'm interested in, in uh, games in that sense. But yeah, I, I kind of miss the whole golden age of uh, console video games. So I'm just getting back into that a bit as well. What are you playing now? What are you, what are you into? 
Uh, not a lot. I've got I uh, I've got a few things loaded up on the uh, PS4. I just bought Ashley's uh, uh, old consoles that we're hoping to install here to kind of create a game room in fine arts for research, but also. Uh, <laughs> Uh, relaxation. There's a great, uh, I mean, mostly I play uh, things with my kids. Uh, there's a great local made game called Super Mega Baseball. I think they're just launching their uh, Super Mega Baseball 2. That's an absolute uh, blast to play. Uh, so that, that would be my favorite. Uh, I still haven't played The Last of Us, so I need like a big stretch of time where I have nothing to do, which I never get to uh, to do that. So that's that's on my uh, to play list. I feel like I've watched a bunch of people play that game, but never played it myself. And every time I watch, I'm like, I should play this game. Yeah. It looks really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think and I got into the middle of the one I really love is Red Dead uh, Redemption, but I haven't I haven't got back to that for a while. But whenever I want to be a cowboy and forget about being a chair, I kind of that's like that up. That's like the old West GTA, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I got some. Uh, I got some rapid fire questions for you here. Oh wow! Okay. All right. Improve my posture. <laughs> All right. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Christmas or Easter? Christmas. Kibbutzes or cycling? Ooh, <laughs> cycling. That's yeah. tough. That was all to get to that one joke. Cause I, <laughs> I feel like you should have done more if it was all to get to that one. Joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, CNF or interactive narrative? CNF. All right. I mean, luckily you don't have to choose in real life. Speaking to writing 100 that one time or the other time? <laughs> <laughs> I think the first time went better. <laughs> and uh, how tall is your dad? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, probably about six one six. I'm a little taller than him. All right. It's a question I like to ask everyone. It's a good question. It's I find it informs a lot. I feel like you only ask everyone so you can legitimize it when you ask David. Yeah, <laughs> been working up to this for years. I've been working on my uh, David Leach's dad impression. Oh yeah. At this point, I just said it's more of a physical thing. <laughs> I just know the height, so I stand on my tiptoes. And uh, how come you never made it uh, to Tuesday Magazine? <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you know why they call it monday magazine why it's Come not it's actually not that interesting <laughs> uh the, when they founded it it came out on mondays and then they quickly read so they called it monday magazine because it was going to be these this is the uh, things to do uh, uh over the week uh, in Victoria, and they quickly realize that's a useless day to come on on if you want people to know about things because they want to know about the weekend and who really cares about Monday. So they moved it to coming out on Thursdays mostly, but sometimes on Wednesdays as well. But they were they were stuck with Monday Magazine, and, and yeah. so they kept it. Uh, I think they did sell the Monday. They did have the Monday dot com Earl, and they uh, they uh, they sold it for a bit of a change before like, monday.com that's a good one yeah. yeah and they sold it before the dot-com crash we were saying what are you doing this is crazy why are you selling it i think they made some money on it <laughs> but they were basically selling everything off for spare parts at that point oh yeah <laughs> we can move on to the uh business ideas part of the podcast everyone's oh. favorite oh, i'm so happy you, is- you made me really happy on our last episode because uh I feel like you'd been too good with your your business ideas, and I was liking them. That's not what this is about. So yeah. I'm cheering for crappy. So yeah, the, I don't know if you listen to the podcast much, but one of our treasure segments R- religiously. is... Religiously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do business ideas that James uh, typically doesn't like. 
Although recently I won him over with one. So this is like the service component? People kind of jot down the ideas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. He just gives the, the ideas away. You're just giving the ideas away? Yeah. I mean, technically, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to do it, and then I have this record. And uh, I can be like, uh, okay, then you're going to monetize me. it yeah. as like a life hacker or something yeah. like that? Here's and I, I don't get the money. I just be like, you guys have to hang out with me, and you can do the business, <laughs> but I'm going to chill here. Here's what I'm going to say as evidence towards how good or bad your business ideas are. You've been broadcasting them out without any patents or anything like that, and not one of them has been stolen. Uh, you don't know that. I haven't been watching Dragon's Den in a while, but I'm pretty sure uh, <laughs> Donut Burger is definitely on there. Someone just shows up on Dragon's Den, and you're like, this is it, this is it. And they're like, oh, I have an idea for a podcast called All the Right Stuff. <laughs> what, was the, what was the one that won you over? Was it Bird Bird Advertising? <laughs> I, think, I, think I think so. I think it was. Wait, yeah. was that the one where you teach the birds to say... Like business slogan, yeah, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> you could teach a parrot, like all the parrots in San Francisco. I'm trying to remember which one won me over. I don't know if it was that. I think the I'm trying to remember what it was, but I believe it was something to do with like I just kind of turned your idea into the direction of an idea that I liked, and that's why I liked it. I, I still, never outright liked one of your ideas. I think my best was butt graffiti, <laughs> but just so you know what to expect from this segment, <laughs> things like that. So I got a couple. Uh, this is my best one. Is uh, Okay, so when you have a shower, you get out, you're all wet. You uh, want to dry off. Yeah. Towel is a typical way to do that. I would say the only way. But what if you're fabulously rich and uh, <laughs> you want to dry off fast and in comfort? You know, like the hand dryers in bathrooms? What if it was just a full body hot, hot fan? And just walk through <laughs> it. Yeah. How nice would that be? I feel like that already exists. I feel like it's gotta. I mean, they're going to be here for my lawyers, but... I feel like it, it exists in some 90s movie about rich people. <laughs> where, you know, like that one with like Chris Rock where he dies and comes back as like an uh, old rich white guy. Oh, that was a great one. That was a really good <laughs> it one. It probably exists as part of a Wallace and Gromit, <laughs> one of like the starting things. All you got to do... I mean, it definitely exists in uh, being able to make it. So I'll give you that. Like you could just modified the thing that dries your car at the end of a uh, car wash yeah like it'd probably hurt that's the only thing yeah well that's why you modify it right make it weaker you, like you don't want to go air blade on it i think that's going to be too intense yeah. maybe like an air pairing knife <laughs> a pairing knife is still a blade that's that's fair i don't know what's maybe like from a blade. an air safety scissor nice that was better all right, so here's my second one. I don't know. That seemed uh, that fell a bit flat. Okay, so, it was a good idea. I was a problem. I mean, yeah, that's the problem. It's I, I it was a good idea, but I feel like it already exists. So. James realized he didn't have the infrastructure to support it, so now he sh- he's cutting it down. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't buy it, but you couldn't I, afford this uh, giant. <laughs> Even if I, I mean, like I, I enjoy the the slow dry. I like to soak in a towel. <laughs> oh, well, what if you did it the opposite way and wasn't blowing, but a vacuum and it just vacuumed off the air? Yeah, so your central vac Ooh. and plus all your loose body hair comes off as well. <laughs> That's my dream. I need that for sure. Exactly. That's a good problem. So you get the dry and kind of a bit of a yeah, but with Brazilian. <laughs> I would hope the shower got the loose body hair. Yeah, Don't count on it. You haven't seen my floor. <laughs> it gets the loose hair, but if you get caught in it, it gets all the uh, attached hair as well. <laughs> Um, so here's my second idea. Isn't it sad that kids today know the name of uh, the characters from Jersey Shore, but they don't know the scientists that you're curing cancer? 
Isn't that a, isn't that a, a rough <laughs> indicator for how their society is going? Oh my God, are you, are you, are you going to Dennis Leary? I don't want to go on a rant or anything like that. And I sure, would say, Grandpa. <laughs> it's not because uh, those people are on TV and what are you going to watch a can- cancer scientist do? It's because uh, because of how society is going. So here's my plan. Can I just interject for one second? I feel like Jersey Shore is maybe a bit of a outdated reference outdated at this point, now, but people are still. It's a classic now. Uh, J- Joey Q is that one of them? Snooky. Snooky, I, yeah. I know Snooky, and, and then uh, who cured cancer? You don't know. Jay Wow is that one? She cured cancer, yeah. Oh, well. yeah. Jay Wow, uh, the situation, the situation. I, I was to say, I do remember that one was just straight up not a name. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was very situational. Yeah, he was also once a guitarist for U two. The situation is also a euphemism for the conflict in Israel Palestine. <laughs> so I always think about it. It's the situation. Really, he's the problem. <laughs> it was also one of the uh, one of the characters is a. Uh, the troubles, <laughs> the troubles. <laughs> oh my god! But I want to, I want to pitch a reboot of Jersey Shore, uh, starring oh my god. Uh, scientists who are curing diseases. <laughs> we got the guy who uh, discovered antibiotic-resistant bacteria as a concept. We have uh, the people who uh, created the drug that Martin Trickelly is uh, legislating. We got all sorts of uh, people in a house in <laughs> on the Jersey Shore. Now, here's my question about this. Is this going to be more about the scientists acting as they do in the setting of Jersey Shore? Or is it going to be about them acting like the characters from Jersey Shore and just <laughs> sneaking in their little science in there? Well, it is a culture shock, so they'll be doing a bit of both. I, you know what? It could work if it's, if it's you know, a kind of... Uh, oh, what's a good comparison? You know, like a... a the odd couple, you know, if, if you have like, you know, half of the people are like the cast of Jersey Shore, essentially, and then the scientists, and it's one being like, oh, clean your dishes, and the other one being like, I want to do cocaine off that girl's ass. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the Big Bang Theory, which yeah. I have. <laughs> we're, probably, we're doing the uh, GTL, like the Gym Tan Laundry, but now we got tan and laundry are going to stay the same, but instead it's uh, gene therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think people would watch this show. They're not hot. But they are saving our lives. So I think that people would watch the show as long as it is like an emphasis is put on the culture shock and you kind of back burner all the science. Yeah. I want to see like a 80 pound scientist like just down at the clubs just doing a <laughs> drinking one of those really tall <laughs> things with the straw. I mean, I'm very conflicted on this because I mean, I think this is your first TV show pitch that you ever had. Which I feel like is kind of cheating, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> it's an idea. Here's it's a, it's patented. Here's how I'm conflicted about it: is um, I feel like it is marketable. I feel like it would make money, but I feel like it's terrible. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's the uh, dream of reality TV. Yeah. So as far as like a TV pitch goes, I hate it. But as far as making money goes, I think you got a winner there, kiddo. Nice. Man, I'm I'm really we gotta end this podcast soon before I just <laughs> keep winning you over. Before I'm like a hundred grand in the hole to you. <laughs> okay, we got one one more idea here. So this is uh this might uh this one's more of an outside pitch. You ever notice how nostrils are real dark? I have, yes. It's uh it's unused real estate in your face that maybe you have really attractive nostrils and you're not getting your due because you can't see what's going on in there. It's just like a little black hole. Nostril lighting. <laughs> <laughs> Recess lighting. Yeah, it's a sconce. It's a sconce, <laughs> it's a sconce. in your face. <laughs> a face sconce. <laughs> Have you tested this yet? I haven't. I mean, I've shown a flashlight my nose before. So you've seen on. what it looks like in there. I mean, yeah, but we got to start because, uh, like, 
There's, there, a lot of them are pretty bad, but there's got to be some good ones. And uh, hey, I'm an early backer. Series A, I went in on this as a cyclist. to be really useful. You don't have to be fumbling around for your bike light. You just kind of raise your head and you can see the street in front of you. Oh, you look down. I think I misunderstood. So you're saying the light comes out of your nostril. I, th- oh, yeah. I thought you were just like trying to like illuminate what it looks like inside. Oh, it's both. Oh. It's also, yeah, it's a good defense thing if like you're uh, being mugged and you just give them the flash in the eyes from your nose. <laughs> and if you've ever done the, the, the ghost face thing as a kid, you realize the wonderful color of your nose as well like the capillaries and stuff it would yeah really illuminate that i feel like it would be slightly annoying and i'll tell you why because like your eye line is like right to the bridge of your nose right and so you've got you're going to be constantly trying to look where the light is but the light is going to be shining down here when you're looking right here Right. Well, if you if you really crank up the wattage, you can get it coming out yeah, through but the skin. It's all all pointing down. I think you'd have to like do like you know you get tape a nose it. Job. Yeah, like, that looks good. Do, do, the, <laughs> do, the, do the like Twilight Zone like pig people look. <laughs> I mean, this isn't my specific idea was to actually light the nostrils, but it can be used as a light source as well. Like for reading at night, you just got the, exactly nice as that. <laughs> I mean, we're we're just bypassing, you know, the idea of putting cell phones and brains and and all that stuff and Bluetooth chips in people's ears, and we're just moving straight to the flashlight function on your phone being in your nostrils. <laughs> that'd be that'd be beautiful. You have to pull your phone. You just give it one of these. There's a lot of visual gags lately, but you guys can imagine. Honestly, I I I'm not against the sentiment of it. But I, I really, I'm having trouble getting past the idea that the light's just going to be shining where, like, just below where you can look at all times. Yeah, I mean, I, I gotta say, you're going too easy on me, James. I don't, I don't like this anymore. I like okay. it you. Uh, I, I thought I wanted is, to win him over, but now that he's like a terrible idea, and I feel like the main thing about it that's terrible is that you're a terrible person for thinking of it, and I hope you burn in hell. Nice, he did it. All right, I guess that ends that segment. <laughs> I'm hurt. And I'm, uh, I have renewed vigor for trying to impress you with business ideas. And I half did a Sam Jackson impression. <laughs> <laughs> did you say you hope I burn in hell? Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I've got a few more questions for David here. Excellent. Brilliant. Um, number one, uh, do you have the authority to deny James graduation? I mean, he's almost there. He's finished all his classes, and he passed. But And he's got his grades? I've got I think I've got a, I don't know if I even have to sign anything. Maybe not. I mean, I could I could dig up some dirt. I'm sure. Well, yeah, probably. There's a lot of dirt on me out there. Instead of signing his diploma, just like write a mean note in cursive. <laughs> to be fair, uh, the one class that I took this semester, I didn't technically need to graduate. I just took it because I wanted to go all the way through with screenwriting. Wow, there you go. What so would you, you have? Oh, fiction, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went all the way through with screenwriting fiction. I don't even know what's going to be on my degree at this point, actually. Is it, do they have it on the actual degree? They do not. Yeah, wow. that's oh. yeah, part of the confusion. You technically don't major in a genre. That's but why you, I'm going to say poetry, do. even though I didn't take any poetry. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, how was I as an employee? I was your employee. <laughs> for, for listeners, I, don't know, I was an employee of David. This is your uh, 360 review? <laughs> <laughs> you were uh, fantastic. Yes, love it. Uh, worked independently. He's shaking his head. Exactly. One of these the millennials who understands the social media, <laughs> the book of faces. I have a follow-up question to that. How was I as a student in the three <laughs> classes of interactive narrative? You were in my class? I, was, I, I vaguely remember your presence. Yeah, I was there for three classes, and then I realized, oh, I don't actually need and this the, class to graduate. And then he read Rate My Professor. <laughs> <laughs> I asked you one question directly, which was when I, I came up. I was like, I was sick the last class. Are we still using Top Hat? And you said, <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Dave, uh, he then he put on a leather jacket and took Dakota's motorcycle because he's a hot shot. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> I feel like in, when I was there, and I don't know if it continued after I left, but I feel like our table was kind of the disruptive table. Uh, I had my eye on that table. <laughs> <laughs> Who's at that table? Uh, it was me and uh, Bailey and Ryland. Oh, Jesus and Christ. Sometimes and sometimes Samir. And sometimes Samir. That shouldn't be allowed. And, well, sometimes uh, Sophie was there, and she was kind of a calming influence to the group. And then, you know, Bailey and and Ryland would get talking. They're at the a table at a bar together, much less uh, in a classroom at like 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. You missed the group playing of Fiasco, though. Oh, boy. What happened there? Was that? Uh, we, we played uh, uh, a storytelling role-playing game designed for three to five people, except we did it with 35. <laughs> and it got pretty weird. It got, seriously, we involved the, uh, uh, I think the... Um, Desiccated dead body of Jeff Goldblum, uh, <laughs> a girl guide star. troop, uh, and uh, some poisonous lizards, and just about everybody ended up dead at the end. That's amazing. Yeah, man, I wish I took that class. I'll, I'll tell you the main thing I learned from that class is uh, if I sit really close to a TV while a video game is getting played, I get motion sick. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people discovered that. Yeah, like I would be sitting and it was like, you know, two chair lengths away. And I'd be like, I'm going to look at a different screen. <laughs> and that's when we were playing the text adventures. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, the final segment here, the David Leach impressions. Oh, man. Usually what we do is we get you to do a David Leach impression, but you are David Leach. And now we'll just play them for you and you can judge. <laughs> is there a rating scale? Or is it thumbs up, thumbs down? Well, we have a montage, but I'll ask you to try to remember your favorite ones. And uh, Okay. But I guess we'll tell by the last. Well, I, I like I like a quantitative evaluative measure. I, I need a rubric. <laughs> like what am I what am I looking for? Originality, creativity. It'll be as coherence. big as the. Uh, I, would, I would go with gut. Oh, with go my with gut. gut. Yeah, yeah. I don't trust the gut. And heart. <laughs> oh, heart. Okay. You don't want originality though. You want it to be a, a pretty good copy. Okay, pretty good copy. So this is a parody exercise, as you know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got my head around this. And that's why you. What's the, can't what's sue what's us the learning for? outcome? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to learn what you sound like to everyone around. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so it's going to destroy my ego. I'll uh, I'll start by saying no one ever wanted to do this. We forced them to. There was an awkward five minutes. We always cut out of every podcast where we're like, come on. I feel like Hugo Wong wanted to do it way too much. Right? Yeah, he, I can believe that. He was up watching videos of you and like has a whole thing. You'll hear it in there. Um, and also half the people couldn't think of what you sound like really that well. So. There's a lot of uh, some real out there stuff on here. This is the segment of the show where we just do our David Leach impression. This is David Leach. Well, hi there. This is David Leach. I'm Ray David Leach. And we'll tell you a few facts about him. He's tall. Everyone goes to the kibbutz. He cycles. Being in Israel on a kibbutz. He lived on a kibbutz in Israel. David Leach. I went down to the Costa Rica. He has short-ish here. First years, uh, welcome to the creative writing program. It's going to be a wild ride. He's That's in good. his 40s. So I was riding my bicycle someplace in the desert. He is a CNF writer. Damn. Can't put me on the spot like this. this is really... I, I, I'm David Leach. Yeah. He's white. The writing program is super excited about this class. It's the first time it's running because we're actually super poor and have no money for courses ever. He came and talked to Writing 100, and that's what everyone seems to remember him from. I can do a David Leach getting really nervous and not wanting to do an impression of someone. <laughs> I don't know, guys. He's cool. I'm so happy that you all decided to take this class. He's 
cute. Hey guys, Jag- writing's so great. I love it. I love being the head of the writing department. <laughs> I'm David Leach. You start. You start with Bill Clinton, but oh. David's voice is a little bit higher, and it's like near the front of your mouth. And wow. then you just have to lose a southern accent, and then start going with the long O. Born in Winnipeg and raised in Ottawa, David moved west to study creative writing and literature in Victoria. Hello, my name is David Leach <laughs> from Russia. <laughs> I can tell you. I can tell you what he looks like. He's always dressed to like be on a bike. Whenever I see him, I was like, "Oh yeah, Leach is gonna go bike riding after this." Kaputz your hood. Hey everybody, it's me, David Leach. I I I'm a writer, I guess, and I also run a podcast uh, of my own called "David Doesn't Like Leeches." Uh, I was living in a kibbutz. I see. Uh, I was living in a kibbutz, and he opened the door a couple. Uh, paces forward and moved on. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to do an impression of David Leach as a British person. Hopefully it doesn't ruffle too many feathers. Hello, I'm David Leach. <laughs> Come read my book, Chasing Utopia. Right, I'm head of the writing department. Hello. No, I mean, the, I can try and do that laugh of his where he's like, ah, 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 ah. Like, that's kind of what he does. <laughs> Always... Listen to all the great stuff. David Leach, David Leach, David Leach, David Leach, David Leach, David Leach, David which one was Danica's? Uh, Danica's was, oh, uh, it was like, w- welcome to writing 100. Yeah, that was yeah. good. That was good. Um, uh, Caitlin's, I feel like, was the meanest <laughs> towards the department. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Miles was the most accurate and hurtful because he just did your laugh. Yeah, yeah pretty, the laugh, the laugh. My kids do my laugh, so <laughs> that seems pretty accurate. Is that genetic or are they just making fun of you? Uh, oh, no, they're making fun of me. Yeah, yeah. I get that pointed out. Joan McLeod likes it when I go to her plays because she can hear me laughing. <laughs> so You kind of have, it's like uh, Eddie Murphy in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. One of my favorite films, so yeah. There you go. <laughs> I feel like my two favorites are from the two people who have nothing to do with the writing program at all, which were... Uh, Andrew Brimmel's, which was the, hey, this is David Leach. <laughs> like, just making it up. And then uh, Connor Chaters, which was the, uh, hey, this is David Leach. I run a podcast. <laughs> I like Steph's. Yeah. And uh, the British one was good, too. The British That's one pretty... was good. There's a, uh, there's a number of famous British uh, David Leaches out there. There's a, a Cornish, uh, I think, David Cornish Potter. And there's, I think, a graphic novelist who does something called Super Grand named David Leach. So I found a David. I was Googling you and I found a David Leach uh, in the States who's an anti abortion activist. So. Exactly. And the, oh, there's one that was a drummer in Ben Harper's band. I don't think they're the same David Leach, but I don't know. I think they're all. I feel like there can be only one David Leach. Exactly. And there's one who's a very famous director whose name is David Lynch. There we go. He did it. My arms are up in victory. <laughs> All right, well, I, I do want to take issue actually with Alistair's British one, and I'll tell you why. Because I feel like he was just doing a British accent. Yeah, that was particularly Leachy one. Yeah, yeah. There is a version of a British David Leach, and that wasn't it. I feel like you know, uh, 
as far as you know, actually the best one goes, the most accurate one, it was probably Hugo Wong. I liked it. I, like I, he had a huge which, explanation. Of which like one was to, Hugo's again? What about the Bill Clinton thing? Oh yeah, yeah. that was yeah, yeah. He clearly had passion for it. Uh huh. I thought Catherine was surprisingly good. It was good, but she had no idea what to say. Like, no. if you listen to that sentence, it doesn't make sense. It was like, I was at a kibbutz and I walked through a door a few <laughs> paces, and then Carlos or something like that. We also there's one we cut that was I think uh, was it Alicia's where it was just a visual impression because uh, uh, it was like you. Her seeing you on a bike one time. That's about it. <laughs> well, you've got, well, you've got to have the the visual impression as well, because I I tend to talk with my hands, and my uh, two most uh, memorable course experience surveys were from FA one hundred and one, uh, where the students said they liked the course, but suggest you know when it asks to uh, the student to give advice to uh, other students, they liked the the course. Uh, but advised other students to sit further back than the front row because a lot of spittle comes from my mouth when I lecture, <laughs> and wow. you might get sprayed. That's savage. <laughs> two, and there was two two students in that class that mentioned it, so it wasn't just one who was yeah, imagining they, things. It was like there was clearly a spray zone in FA one hundred and one, <laughs> like SeaWorld, that you had to kind of step back from when I was lecturing. So yeah, that, you can't capture that in a podcast, but you're going to have to clean these mics. <laughs> Is there any budget in the department for uh, ponchos? Ponchos. Hand them out. To be fair, I think there was a similar thing about Lorna Jackson classes, but it was more about her not seeing you and being mean to you. <laughs> you get splashed from the tears of yeah. students. <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. My, my biggest disappointment in compiling that whole thing was uh, the fact that I, neither Lee nor uh, Mark Lear and Young did a... A David Lee yeah, what you couldn't we... get them to do it. Yeah, they chickened out. Like Lee, I think, because um, Lee is like the sweetest guy in the entire world. Was just like so afraid of like hurting your feelings, I guess. And uh, <laughs> Mark, I think, was like embarrassed that was he... he was he going up for tenure at the time. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> it was over the summer, so maybe. <laughs> I think Lee impression is a good. It's a good one. To... Can you do a Lee impression for us? Because he wouldn't do a. a Can I do a Lee? I don't know. I'm not good at impressions. What's the Lee impression? I, feel I, like, I haven't taken I haven't taken any of his classes. I just know him from uh, committee meetings. I feel like it's like slightly with the cold and like he's always sick, bashful, <laughs> and just like hey, you know, oh, yeah, I like just like little, hey, I'm Lee. I, I figure you know, you guys, it's it, you guys are doing really Look, good. That's Lee as a muppet. <laughs> he's kind of a muppet. It's a little uh, like a beaker, a little bit. I feel like my my cornerstone for for Lee. Is, so what muppet would I be? <laughs> Uh, if, you were, if you were kind of casting <laughs> the writing department as Muppets, <laughs> which you've started to do already. <laughs> is Big Bird a Muppet or is he, he's, well, I, mean, I don't know the... I, I would say he counts. Yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, you can move into Sesame Street if you want. Yeah. You're one part Bert, one part Statler or Waldorf, I don't know which one. Oh, okay. I feel like uh, it's just got to be um, Lee Henderson and D.W. Wilson are Bert and Ernie. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing about the Lee impression is the the way I always like find it is my last day of uh, third year fiction with him. He we were just we were in a really jokey mood, and he just he kept being like, "You, you bunch of jokesters." Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I think everyone fell in love with him during that class because he's just adorable and smart and beautiful, and I love you, Lee. <laughs> 
Oh, on that awkward <laughs> note, we're ready to get out of here. One thing we did kind of drop off on uh, that we used to do a lot in the beginning of the show uh, was just like making vague references to being in love with Kevin Kerr. Was that a thing we did? Yeah, I think we all would just feel like, feel like yeah, yeah, we love Kevin. Like, we, we love Kevin. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. How can we not be I know. Kevin Kerr? Kevin is... I miss him. We all do also a Kevin Kerr impression, which is just... It's all visual. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It's when he's agreeing with you. It looks like he somebody's holding a gun, like just off screen. At yeah. him. He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess I feel weird doing a hard out on this because it might be our last episode. Or so, what are you guys going to do with your lives? Yeah, oh. that's a question oh. I've got to ask as a chair. It's oh, like it's part go. of my responsibility. I'm going to. What, 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 what is what is the writing department? done for you oh man <laughs> <laughs> took four years of my life away i feel like the the writing department has done a lot for me but i feel like uh and everyone who knows us is just gonna roll their eyes at this but i feel like the most important thing the writing department did was introduce me to rylan gladson uh, my uh you know my my directing partner my writing partner and, and me i guess and it's fine yeah, you no know, i i i love you as a friend i love rylan as a very confusing part of my life. <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've I've learned a lot. Like, I don't know. I've got so many job opportunities through this, and I've learned to actually be a writer. And I've become uh, like me with way into the department was like I would never have hired me or let me do anything or hang out with me. And now I'm great. I feel like yeah. For I mean, it was, it, in first year, I didn't really know anybody. Um, me and Caitlin Kakaska famously sat next to each other for the entire year of writing 100 and. The first time we spoke to each other was when I went to Domino's and she was like, hey, don't you sit next to me in writing 100? But I mean, <laughs> you're like, give me the pizza. <laughs> and like in second year, you uh, you and Chandler uh, came up to me in, in screenwriting or just like, hey, we want to write something together. You want to grab a beer and we'll get talking about it. And yeah, I think I made that happen. Yeah, I'm you the did. architect of this you, all. Yeah, you you made me what I am. You brought me out of my shell. I'm the David Leach of our friend group. <laughs> you're the chair of our friendship. Nice, nice. <laughs> Maybe I have one more question. What 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 can the writing what can the writing department do to improve? You can edit this out after. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, that is a good question. I would, I mean, I would say it's on uh, the right track. I would say if I had a suggestion to just keep going on something, I would say keep bringing more of uh, like this film production stuff. Like we've got two film production, oh three if you count. Uh, um, three to six the digital media class but i would say yeah like um it would be interesting to see a class that maybe like taught writing a spec script that might be a fun like for like a tv show oh yeah yeah we've talked about that because i know like uh danica she she wrote a spec script not like just as like something for her second submission for us also to read and uh, i thought that was a really interesting way of doing it Something I always wanted from fiction, which I couldn't do, was uh, sci-fi and fantasy. And I know there's a reason you guys don't do that because, like, I mean, it's a different skill set than literary fiction. But it's interesting to see kind of a courses in that because it's, like, such a big genre and uh, it'd be an interesting thing to tackle. I don't know. Like, I think because you only took fiction from Lorna, right? Right. And Lee Henderson and Bill Gaston both had no issue with really? doing sci-fi and fantasy. Oh, okay. But I mean, I as long not as, it was as well written. Yeah, but it's a different. Like, I mean, I, I like to see a teacher specifically into that or something because yeah, it's uh, 
you can do sci-fi and fantasy. You can do like magical realism and stuff like that within literary fiction, but like yeah, specific fair. genre fiction is a different different matter. Yeah, and we've talked about we've definitely talked about that. And again, a lot of these things we'd kind of introduce as say like an elective course or uh, things around world building or speculative fiction as well. I think the challenge with that is like how do you do that? Like short stories, genre fiction short stories tend to be so terrible yeah. because you need that kind of space of time to build the world. But right, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you need like a it'd have to be a novel class or something. That's a whole other thing. Uh huh. But well, yeah, no. If one. I if I could fill a hundred student class with a sci fi course and <laughs> help underwrite our smaller uh, genre, uh, other workshops, that'd be great. Well, now that you're doing the minor, that might be uh, more more doable. Yeah, I think there I think there'd be an appetite for uh, for uh, doing like a lecture class and and learn and like reading really interesting genre stuff as well and and learning the skills to apply to that and then bringing it to uh, a general workshop yeah well we wanted to just like thank you for uh for our degrees yeah you're making me cry (laughs) (laughs) you run a great department honestly it is like i've i've been all over (laughs) yeah i i've been everywhere man that's how the west was won anyway been to viu and ubc for different things and this is the most like inclusive and like welcoming little department and oh yeah like i mean uh I was in business at Camosun. I was in poli sci Camosun. I was at uh, philosophy here. And this is like the only place where like there is just a culture of inclusivity of just being like, hey, go out there and, you know, and I think it's just like the way the department is structured, the way the classes are structured, just encourages you to like collaborate and, you know, talk to people outside of just being forced to do like a group project. Like you just you get close to people just naturally just from, you know, reviewing their stuff and, you know, asking people's opinion on your stuff and them asking you. And it just kind of, it's, it's the most natural, uh, like forced friendships I've ever had, if that makes sense. You know, like, you know, it's always a little bit forced when you're like, you're like your friend group is just like what comes out of uh, being in school. Cause that's all you really know. But it's, it's, it's the most natural uh, progression of that where you just meet people that you like very naturally. Yeah. Perfect. That's great to hear. Your, your listeners can't see this, but we're having a big group hug and a man cry right now. It's really, it's a really touching moment. I hope you're getting this on video too. Wait, did we ever set up the camera? It died. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, it's a very inclusive group hug too. But yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure. Are you going to do other podcasts? We actually gonna... we have a new one coming out. We don't have a title yet, but we want to yeah. keep you guys uh, in the loop. We'll we'll blast it on the social media when we. It's going to be about movies. Oh, cool. Overrated and underrated movies. I'll yeah. be traveling around. We'll be doing it with no guests um, from different different cities. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Maybe we should uh, do an episode 50 as our last episode that kind of acts as a bridge between yeah. the two. Where you know part of it is goodbye to all the right stuff and the other part is promoting the next maybe one. A little sneak listen to it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we'll have Brad back as our first guest. And our We're not having guest. guests. No, oh, true. yeah, for all the right stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, is that we sacrifice almost all our listeners by having it just be you and me. That's true. That's fine. We don't need listeners. We just need you and me <laughs> <laughs> talking into a vacuum. We could have a conversation, but, you know, the microphones make it easier. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks. Thanks for listening, guys. We usually we do like a very hard out. So this is like, a, I don't know how to end it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I could say something outrageous that we could do a hard out. On. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I, I could give a David Leach impression. Oh, oh yeah, that's there we go. Hi, I'm David Leach. Welcome to Writing 100. I'm cycling away on my kibbutz. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>